Welcome to The Backbeat. Hi guys, welcome back to The Backbeat. In this one, I chat to my long-term friend, Maddie, who's now Maddie Zielke, congratulations. Um, She is a a music and entertainment photographer. Um, She started out in live music down here in Victoria, mostly in Melbourne. She's since moved up to Brisbane to cover all of the bits and pieces up there as well as having moved into more candid and staged photography with her boudoir shoots. Um, She's doing a lot of funky stuff and I chatted to her about the difference between the different areas of photography and business and how to get started as your own independent business. She does have a little bit of a, a, I suppose, an audio issue going on throughout the whole thing just because she had to use a different microphone than plans. There's a little bit of this uh, rustling in the background, but um, the conversation was still great and I hope you enjoy. Keep your eyes out for the next episode. We've got quite a few booked up already, um, a few really exciting ones, and I'll catch you around. Enjoy. <sighs> okay, well, to introduce, anyway, um, you are a photographer, primarily. Um, mm-hmm. You started shooting in 2016, which is eight years ago now. Um, which is insane. It is, it's wild. So what, what got you started? How did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? Well, as you'd know, we always went to gigs together and just enjoyed the atmosphere of the live music. And I was like, oh yeah, I used to take my phone and stuff to gigs and try and take some photos. Um, But it really kicked in when I went to uni. I originally signed up for a diploma in broadcast journalism. Mm. So I wanted to go to radio and work in live music that way. Um, But a week before my course started, it got cancelled and they offered me a couple of certificates or a diploma in photography. I was like, I don't want to do a certificate because I left uni. I left school for uni. Why not just um, do the diploma in photography? I've got a camera. Yeah. And then within that same week, good old Maddie Seavers, when we both worked for Kill Your Stereo. Yeah. called me at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon after I'd just been to Laneway the day before and was like, hey, we don't have a photographer for Panic at the Disco. He just pulled out. Can you get into the city right now? And I was like, oh. Okay, cool. So I shot Panic at the Disco and it made me go, I want to keep doing that. That was really fun. That's an insane first gig. It was ridiculous. I had no idea how to use my camera. I got my friend's dad's lenses and was like, I think I know how to do this. I look (laughs) back at them now and I laugh at the photos. But like for a first gig, they turned out pretty all right. Yeah, that's like, you know, people work for years to get uh, an act like that on their sort oh, of exactly. list that's wild um, so it was really cool to start with something just so big yeah that's insane like even now we've got photographers on the team who are sort of just you know working up to that level of of, of shoot and that's that's fucked up that's <laughs> yeah. I was just like well so when you start really big you just want to keep getting bigger yeah for course of course um and you kind of you went from live music to now more recently doing this the whole boudoir stuff um and I was reading up and you've said that COVID kicked you into covering other types of events because obviously live music wasn't a thing for a while you were doing weddings and things um how did boudoir in particular come about um well originally I just started taking like portraits and stuff with my friends during and just after COVID started opening up here in Brisbane because it was a little bit earlier than you guys in Melbourne Mm. um and I'd followed a bunch of different models and stuff on Instagram anyway and I came across a suicide girl called Diamond who lives in Brisbane 
Um, and I absolutely love her to death. We ended up just meeting on a personal basis. Um, she was doing my eyebrows, funnily enough. Oh, wow. She has a beauty business outside of being a model. Um, and we were just talking about doing shoots and stuff. And she was like, oh, if you're interested, I'd be more than happy to like teach you a few t- tips and tricks. We can do a shoot together, could get your name out there a little bit more and you can try some boudoir stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay. So we did a shoot in her garage for Valentine's Day last year uh, and pulled it all together and it was just really fun. I liked feeling empowered and empowering my clients and yeah, it just inspired me to keep going and that's why I just started picking it up. Yeah, wow. That's that's yeah. it's it's funny how people connect. It's um the different stories of how people connect is always so interesting instead of just like, oh, yeah, like I worked with the guy. It's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> There's like these yeah, little yeah. things. Just tiny little segments from, yeah, just different stories. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then to do with photography in particular, would you say that you shoot be- you're from behind the camera or in front of it more to do with that that side of things? Definitely more behind it. Yeah. I like to get in front of the camera every now and then because then it gets me in the model's shoes. Mm-hmm. So I can do a couple of poses and then know, right, this is going to feel really awkward to get you into this, but it's going to look really good. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier for me to then sit down with my clients and show them how to pose for this particular thing and them not feel so awkward about it if I pre-warn them like yeah it's gonna feel weird but like look how good this looks yeah yeah and have you kind of learned anything from either side because it'd be quite different do it shooting like live candid stuff compared to more posed and um static sort of shoots has that has has either of those influenced how you manage the other oh yeah definitely um live music a lot of it was just like learning where to have my camera and where to place the model because of course they're doing their own thing you've just got to try and follow them and figure out what they're doing yeah um compared to then me yeah happening to learn to pose someone and actually giving that direction I found at first when I started that that was really hard because I was so used to them just doing what they were doing and I was just having to catch that instead of going right I need you to get into this position and look like this but trying to word that like it was so hard to start off with because I'm really awkward, I found. Yeah. And I'm trying to talk to my clients. Once we get into it, we're all good. But like otherwise, I sometimes can't get out what I'm trying to say. Yep. Just like right now. I can't <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's definitely been a big thing. Um, live music definitely helped me with color correction uh, as well. Yep. Because we know how hard it is to make a whole blue photo look really really good so learning all of those little skills definitely helped then bring that into boudoir and capturing and making sure the lighting was exactly how it looked on the day Mm. really capturing all of that Mm -hmm. I had to edit a photo of a pair of curtains the other day because the green just wasn't looking like it did in person and it's just the most basic thing to fix but it makes such a huge difference oh a hundred percent like when I started off yeah I used to just throw out half my photos that were completely blue because I didn't know how to fix it. Mm. It really took until just before COVID for me to actually start practicing and playing with that and going, oh, that's how you get rid of that and that's how you even out this. And it just, it upped my work so much more. And has that all been along the way? Because like you did your whatever course you did, was any of that of any help or was it all sort of on the job? It definitely did help and it helped with um, learning some of the basics of portraiture because when I studied, we kind of learned a little bit of every type of photography. Mm. Unfortunately, I was the only live music photographer, so I didn't really get to focus in on that at uni. So I kind of had to teach myself a lot of that. 
Yeah. But all of the other things that we learned, we'd learned like pet photography, how to do newborn shoots. We looked at weddings, events. Um, so that all really came into play with being able to branch out when I had to in COVID because mm-hmm. at least I gained skills already on how to do different things. Yeah. Um, which was really good. And you got, speaking of weddings, you got married recently. I did. Um, <laughs> and obviously you can't really be your own wedding photographer. Did you have someone else do that? Yeah, we did. So um, we've got a family, well, a close friend of ours, their mum came and shot for us. Mm-hmm. She used to shoot um, our friend's band back in the day. Um, so I'd worked with her before and we used to like share little tips and tricks with each other, which was really, really fun. So I found that she was one of the only photographers up here that I could really trust because we knew each other on such a personal level mm-hmm. that I knew that she'd be able to put in her eye and her attention for detail to make sure that we got exactly what we wanted and we definitely did. Yeah, She delivered the best photos we could have asked for. So what is it that you look for then if you're, you know, what you want, uh, what are you looking for in someone else's work to know that they they know their shit? Uh, I definitely look at how they edit their photos and the way that they um, capture the colour or they might alter their colours, um, the way that they frame their sh- shots as well and finding things that are a little bit different and out of the ordinary for some of the shots because you see all your basic and standard photos but I really like when someone goes above and beyond and tries something completely different. Mm. to what you'd normally see and yeah that definitely caught my eye because I'd seen a lot of her work and I was like I wouldn't have thought of shooting that like that or I wouldn't have edited that out but you've gone through and you've done that so that's really cool mm-hmm. and that's definitely helped me pick a couple of my photographers for shoots and stuff over the years so what's the difference then what makes live music uh versus like other live events and stuff different oh definitely like the atmosphere and being in that sort of setting, that environment, it's it doesn't feel one-on-one, mm-hmm. I guess. When we're doing our normal like boudoir and portrait shoots, a lot of the time it's either me and the model or myself and um, someone posing and the model, um, whereas gigs you've got the band and the artists in front of you, but then you can also hear the crowd behind you just going off and enjoying those moments and it really... I don't know, it really makes me enjoy being out in that and capturing that for the people behind me as well as myself because they get to look back at all those little memories and they're like, oh, I remember that and I remember this. It's That's it's funny definitely. looking at how people take photos just like their day-to-day, like on their phone and stuff and screenshots even that people take. They go, yeah, I'm going to need that later and then they completely forget. But, but photos that people actually take, it's so... Um, like almost heartwarming to watch what people actually take photos of themselves, like just day to day. It's oh, like, yeah. okay, what do you want to remember about today in the scheme of your life? And and, and you see what they're recording um, for their sort of, like if they were to have a montage. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so cool to see, yeah, what impacts a person's life because what might impact mine would be completely different to yours. Yeah, exactly. It's um. It's interesting thinking through the sort of mental process that goes behind what people want to capture about themselves and others in the world around them. Oh, yeah. And and sort of on that, that line of like what people value and, and stuff, a lot of people struggle with sort of evaluating their own work and, and what it's worth and what it should cost when it comes to sort of turning things into a business or monetary gain and stuff. And you've got your, the, the boudoir, you do priced shoots and things. Um how have you gone about deciding on pricing that, what it's worth, your skills, your resources, your time and everything like that? 
Well, even over the last 12 months since starting, I've changed my prices a few times and coming into the new financial year, I've bought it up again. Um, It definitely comes down. Like I want to be really fair and reasonable with my prices. I know I've kind of gauged off a lot of other photographers in the industry. I offer a little bit more, like more photos. Mm -hmm. The quality might not be as high. I don't do as much retouching as a lot of photographers I know, especially in like portraits, modeling, even like the burlesque community and stuff. Mm. Um, They'll put in a little bit more effort in the behind the scenes, but I like to really focus on the in the now, in the moment and capturing what's there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have to take all of that into consideration when it comes to my costs. Um, Things like location, fuel, my editing time, my insurances, all of those little things. I have to make sure all of that's covered. Plus I get a bit of a wage out of it as well, but I still get want it to be reasonable and fair because I know, especially after COVID hit, Mm. a lot of us either lost our jobs or money has been really, really tight for the last few years for a lot of people that I want to make sure that I can offer something to meet everyone's sort of factors. So I've got my price shoots that I do where I offer particular things in our sessions. But if someone came to me and they said, I've only got a budget of $150 and I'd really like to do one of your shoots, I could then do something a little bit more personalised and work with them to still make sure that they get something out of it. Or I offer little payment plans and stuff too. Almost like afterpay because I know that people might not have the lump sum of like $300 in one go. Yeah. I want to be able to make sure that they can still get that opportunity because money is a huge factor for Mm -hmm. a lot of people on why they might not do these sessions. Yeah, for sure. they might not be able to afford a photographer. Like I knew for years I wasn't going to be able to afford a photographer because of just how much a lot of people charge yeah yeah and then you you kind of on the other end of it you go okay well that's why (laughs) yeah yeah you've got to look into all of the little behind the scenes things so it's trying to find that happy balance in the middle at the moment and with it being still only like my second year of my business running full time I want to keep it a little bit lower but gradually throughout the years to come with more experience and more time it'll end up going up a bit more. Yeah. Just balance it all out I guess. As with everything. We know everything's bloody price hiking at the moment, good old inflation. We love it. (laughs) We love going into a depression in the 20s. I know. It's happened 100 years ago, right? Yeah, history repeats itself and we still don't learn. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, Not wrong. Well, when you joined our team, it wasn't even that long ago. Um, we haven't had you actually do a gig yet, have we? No, but we've got, I think, one coming up in a couple of months, which is exciting. So, yeah, I'll have to have a look at the calendar yeah. again. Yeah. Um, but joining our team to sort of get back into live music again, and you're our first interstate member as well, which is cool. Um, what What triggered the move back into live music again? I just missed being a part of that atmosphere and stuff, honestly. Um, I started outside of photography performing in burlesque and being in those sort of live environments made me really enjoy that. And then being able to get back into gigs, I was like, God, I miss being just in front of the barrier mm-hmm. and having like, it feels like your own little special performance to just you. And it's just made me want to be back in that and feeling everyone around us because we were isolated for so long. Yeah. Like it's just been me, my partner and my dog for a couple of years, it feels like. So it's really good to be back out in that. And that's kind of why I wanted to use this as an opportunity to be able to do it again and then have that motivation to actually go out 
and leave the house and not just be a little hermit in ho- at home inside in the warm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, I guess going back to the pricing thing, like you and I have briefly chatted about how this whole project is is volunteer for everyone involved at the moment and, and so it's not a paid job. So where do you find the value in projects like this where you're not getting that monetary gain? What is it that you get from it instead? I always feel like I get like the opportunity to see these bands or um, it almost feels like most of the time you get the free ticket in to see the show. So if I was already going to pay to see this show and go, why not work, get to experience it for working and having that then under my belt? Mm-hmm. That's definitely what got me back into shooting and just shooting live music. It always felt like I was just getting to see a show for free. Yeah, Because working and doing these shoots doesn't feel like work. It just feels like fun, yeah. honestly. And is there a different because you're obviously like there is that slight difference in if you were just attending as a general punter versus working because that's what it is by technicality is working. Is there anything hmm. that you find you get to experience that others that, that you wouldn't otherwise, like apart from just that being up close sort of thing, is there anything else you get from it? I, I know from personal experience I found like um, – that closeness kind of helps. I get to see little things that you might not normally see. If you're standing at the back, you don't get to see the details and things, Mm -hmm. which I found has been really cool and slightly different experiences. I don't know, being a general punter and just singing along, you might have them scan the crowd and point you out. But I know from that shoot with Panic at the Disco, I was just singing along while I was shooting and Brendan Urie winked at me and I cried. (laughs) Um, I've had a few little experiences like that. I've had Hayley Williams point at me and say, I'm still into you while I was shooting yeah, um, yeah. years back. It's just little things like that that I'm like, that could have happened if I was in the crowd, but it felt more personal because you were just that little bit more there. Yeah. That little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, does it have any kind of negative effect having to look at things through a lens rather than being able to sort of fully envelop yourself? Does it affect that at all? It does a little because you only really get those first three songs to shoot. Like I found that um, you're kind of more focused in shooting and how to get the lighting or you're watching so many different things. You're seeing the people moving. Uh, You've got to keep an eye on what the lighting guys are doing and how they're changing all the lights. Mm. Um, You've got to keep an eye on all the other photographers around you. You're making sure that you're not getting in their shots or in their way. You're not bumping into anyone. And it just feels really go, go, go. Once you leave the pit, it's just, it's surreal. You kind of have to stop for a moment and then go, oh, yeah, okay, I've just done that. Let's enjoy the rest of the show now and just kind of chill out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's it feels so rushed. It's over so quickly, but it's it feels like a lifetime at the same time. Yeah, I um, we did, we got to cover Unify this year and um, – Lauren went along with me and she did the photos and we didn't get everyone, but we got, we got some pretty great ones. And it was funny cause I wasn't working, but the fact that I was there with her, uh, as part of the team, I kind of turned myself into this manager role, even though I was just there on a generic ticket and I could have fucked off and just left her do, to do her thing. Um, mm. I ended up sort of following her around to each of her, the sets that she was going to catch. And I, I stood either, 
next to or in the photo pit. The security were far too lax, I'll be honest. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they would have been to just let a general punter in front of Yeah, like we, have, like we have our own little sort of lanyards, but it's not, it's not Unify official at all. It's nothing official. It's just <laughs> it's this shiny thing on a lanyard. Um, and I don't know if it's he spotted that I was with Lauren or he just saw a lanyard and went, yep, cool, or if he just didn't give a shit either way. But I <laughs> was knows? like I was right there for, oh, God, who was there? There was Slowly, there was mm-hmm. Trophy Eyes, uh, Teenage Jones, like a bunch of them that I was just literally right there for no reason. I had no accreditation at all. But I got oh to watch God. Lauren do her thing more closely than I do usually. Most of the time I'm not at the gig with the photographers or the reviewers. Um, hmm. And I got to sort of watch her running around and 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 trying to – yeah, like make her way through the maze of other photographers and and it was this just watching this sort of connection between the other photographers and they like it's a competition. It's it's like the sharks in water, but they all have this understanding of like, oh, okay, well, I've got mine, so you come in here and you get yours kind of thing. And it's this um compassion, I guess, for each other. Mm. This real understanding that they have. And it was really cool to watch and and then she'd come out and be like, Oh my god, I just did that. Oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, and you're freaking out because you're just like, oh, my God, did that just happen? Yeah. Did I just do that? Huh. And then you just really want to go through all of the photos and just sit there. You sit there for a solid five minutes missing a couple more songs just to quickly go through and go, oh, I got that. Cool, that photo came out how I want. That's going to look really cool. And then that's all you're thinking about for the rest of the night until you get to go home and edit. Yeah, we'd walk away from a set and she'd be looking through a camera and go, oh, look at this one. <laughs> I remember awesome. when I used to work with Maddie because Maddie used to review with me as well yeah. that I would be in the photo pit, he'd be back sitting back reviewing or whatever and I'd be sending him photos on my phone of my camera screen being like, do you think this one looks good? Yeah. Do you like this? It was so much fun. Yeah, it's so cool seeing the the different aspects of a gig sort of mission mesh together and um, I've, I've really enjoyed being able to sort of provide whatever this is for the people in the team because so many of them that like the regular contributors and and everything they come back and they're like I this was so cool what the fuck how is this happening like Lauren especially she I realized I totally spaced on the fact that when she went to shoot glass animals last week it was her first arena show um and she and I didn't register that at all I didn't think anything of it she didn't mention it beforehand and then afterwards um it, it came up in conversation and I was like oh shit so you would have been shitting yourself (laughs) Yeah, you get so many experiences that you don't think. Like when you start out, usually we're shooting all of the little local bands. So you're shooting such small venues. When you get the opportunity to shoot something so big, like Melbourne for me, my biggest venue was probably Festival Hall, Mm -hmm. which was still super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And then up here I've shot the River Stage a few times, which is almost like a condensed down version of the Sydney Maya Music Bowl. Yeah. So it's set up outside on a hill. It's just this big grass hill, which since the flooding is now just almost a mud pit. Mm-hmm. Um, Hashtag but, splendor in the mud. Look up. <laughs> oh, God, too soon, too soon. <laughs> Poor people. I would have hated to be a photographer in their mud God, yes. trying to shoot. <laughs> oh, I know of a few people that went. I haven't had the chance to speak to them yet, but let's hope no one dropped a camera. No. ended very badly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! But yeah, um, it's it's really cool seeing people sort of progress and uh, like I do 
barely anything in the scheme of things. All I do is send emails and go, yeah, cool, here's the details, go do the thing. But they come back and they're like, thank you so much. And I'm like, you're the one doing the work, babe. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, as I've said, it's all about the experience. Yeah. Like, it's so cool to be able to say, like, I've shot all these bands that, it, it, like, influenced my life over the last 10 years. Like, who would have thought that when you and I met about, what, nine, eight, nine, no, ten? 10 or nine years ago. Yeah, probably 10. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah, about that, that I would have shot all-time low. Yeah. That I would have shot The Offspring, um, a bunch of different bands, Tonight Alive. Yeah. Um, I also have I shot like Falling in Reverse, um, Fall Out Boy. Yeah. That was a huge one for me. Like we never would have got the opportunity to do that sort of stuff if it wasn't for these publications. Yeah, definitely. So I love being able to like tick these little things off my bucket list. Yep. And in that, the the sort of increase in experience and experiences over the years, have you noticed a change in your own sort of confidence as that's happened? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like being able to see how much my work has changed from my first couple of shoots to where I am now has been unreal. Um, as well as just watching my own self-confidence go up, especially over the last year or so. Uh, as I said, I've done burlesque, which has definitely helped bring my, me out of my shell. Stepping in front of the camera and being a model has just made me skyrocket into a person that I didn't thought, think that I could have been nine years ago. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely helped influence where I am as a photographer as well as just a person. It's been really, really good. Yeah. And has there been anything that's sort of been more difficult to to deal with, like a harder pill to swallow in the progress of all of that? Um, definitely that um, things don't happen overnight. Things aren't yep. as instantaneous as we've come to see with social media. You think that that instant gratification is just going to be there and it's going to happen and you're just going to become this overnight success but it's not the case. Like I've been doing photography professionally for the six years, but it really took until last year to even start getting the exposure that I expected earlier. Like I've only, I've got just under 2000 followers on Instagram and it took until last year to even hit a thousand. And for me, that was huge. Mm. Um, But yeah, it was just remembering that that wasn't going to happen overnight. Like it's going to keep growing. It's going to be a slow burn, but it's going to be so worth it in the grand scheme of things. And have there been any other major lessons along the way to do with like actually running the, like making it a business and, and, and the, the industry overall? Um, definitely starting your own business. You think it sounds easy, but it's not as easy as it sounds. There's a lot of back work to it, as I'm sure you'd know, Mm -hmm. going through, making sure that you're following all the legal responsibilities and liabilities. Um, making sure that you're checking your calendar all the time, your socials to answer any messages. Um, cause I used to be notorious for just not answering for days. And like, that's an easy way to lose your clientele. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I found backing up your photos is one of the most important things in the entire world. I've learned this a few times in my life, but especially yeah. recently when I've had computers die and I've lost all of my raw images for a lot of live music stuff that I've shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should have learned from high school when I dropped my phone in the cubicle on the last day of my exams and lost 
all of my stuff from 10 years ago to the end of high school in a matter of hours yeah. because I didn't back it up. Shit. So that's definitely a huge thing that I've had to learn is like two hard drives plus your computer plus my partner's computer just to make sure I know exactly where it all is at all times. Yeah, I did a, a transfer of all of our audio and everything from the SD card for, for this maybe two or three days ago. Um, and I have Mac, um, and I have like a desktop Mac and then my laptop and my newer model MacBook. It doesn't let you screen extend to desktops anymore. It's just, it's just not a thing in the newer models, um, which is a bitch of a thing. And I found out that it's worse than I thought because when I was transferring, I had my iCloud on and I was transferring items from... It also only takes USB-C. You can't plug anything else directly into it. It's a bitch. So oh, I had this whole fuck around of trying to transfer things and realized, oh, okay, well, iCloud is connected on both of these. When I put something on my desktop, it'll show up on the other computer anyway. So I did yeah. all that, but I didn't register that I was transferring the folders, but the folders weren't downloaded on the original computer to transfer to the other one. So I was oh, transferring nice. an empty folder and deleting oh, them, no. thinking that they had put been put onto this other computer and downloaded through iCloud and deleted them and then went, all of these folders are empty. Why are they empty? I've transferred everything. What do you mean you're empty? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh, God, that's so frustrating. It was so stressful because I couldn't even remember if I had actually, like, permanently emptied my trash, like, deleted, deleted stuff already, yeah. which meant that it was permanently gone. I don't know if yeah. I've lost anything or not because I was doing that for about three hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's so easy to do. There has been times where I've permanently deleted my trash and then realised, oh, my God, I accidentally moved the only copy of that folder yeah. that I had. So now I might be left with a couple of JPEGs or whatever I posted on Instagram. That's all I've got left. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> oh, it's so scary. So, yeah, I've definitely learned to back up everything the second that I can. Yeah, yep. I need to do it more often. I've got, like, my this SD card in particular, it hit capacity five minutes before an interview ended the other day and I didn't know until afterwards. Oh, no. And so I didn't catch the last, like, the, the most important questions, the very last questions of the whole interview, gone. <gasps> That's so cute. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very much uh, making a habit of transferring as soon as. It's it's a really tiny thing but it's the biggest deal. It's so important. Yeah. I'd recently lost my laptop as well and that was the best for when I was shooting on locations because yeah. I'd finish up a day and I'd be able to just put them straight on my laptop mm -hmm. and then, yep, it died. Um, it just shit itself. After my wedding, yeah, uh, the Logic card completely gave out and at the same time my desktop had already lost the hard drive so I lost what? both of them within a matter of weeks and then had to reset up my desktop, which I'm using today, which is really lucky. Yeah. But I was without a computer. Oh, my God. And Jordan's God. Windows and I've been working on Mac <laughs> almost. So then I was like, I can't even edit stuff on there. So then I was just left with editing on my phone, which I'm really lucky I can do because Lightroom's so handy and versatile that I can use it on everything. Yeah. But it's not the same as being able to blow it up on a screen and actually go, okay, this photo isn't blurry this photo is in focus because on your phone you might be looking but you don't actually realize that it's not in focus yeah you haven't got the same ratio to to see what's going on with every pixel and detail no exactly yep oh that'd be so stressful i i want to know how to use lightroom and illustrator but i just can't sit down and like work myself through it <laughs> 
I don't know what well, it is. It takes a while. I was really lucky that I learned Lightroom in high school yep. for the most part. And I did a bit of a class on Photoshop in uni, but even then it was four hours and the last class on a Wednesday. So my brain was going yep. walk about silly every time I do the class. So I've got the basic skills of Photoshop. Mm. But, like, I'm the same. I couldn't sit there right now and reteach myself Photoshop because it would just be too hard, too yep. stressful. Yep. I like that they're um, – Adobe in recent years they've been extending so that all of those desktop apps like Photoshop, it's, it's now available on mobile and on, like – uh, tablets and stuff. Um, yeah, it's so handy. It's it's a huge thing. I was like, in the years before, I was like, why don't they have an app version of this? Like, it's so obviously a thing that people would use and and have huge value for. Why is it not a thing? And then two years later, they're like, we're gonna have Photoshop on iPad. <laughs> You're like, thank God, I've waited so long. Yeah, <laughs> what took Especially you this long? With, like, so many graphic designers and like illustrators and stuff using iPads and tablets. Like, yeah. it's so handy that they can now just do it on the surfaces and the items that they use instead of having to go, oh, I've got to put it on my laptop and then transfer it to my iPad and then transfer it back. It's just, yep. it's yeah, definitely eliminated the frustrations out of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what would you, with all of that in mind, what would you tell a newbie getting into photography in general, but then also like specifically like live candid photography? Definitely, as I said, the backing up of photos yep. is always going to be a huge one that I'd always tell. Um, learning from other artists and photographers around, like just follow as many artists and photographers as possible. Support them, one in their business, because they might be able to support you back. But two, you get to learn so many little things and watch their work grow and see how it's all progressing around you because you might be a few steps behind where everyone else is. But to be able to look at them and see how they're working, kind of get to jump stones, catch up a little, I guess, um, and keep teaching yourself new skills and challenging yourself to do different things because otherwise you're going to stay stagnant. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's when you'll fall behind or you might not know how to do something that everyone else has started to pick up on. Like I've seen a lot of live music photographers these days adding in edits and layers and stuff through Photoshop or changing, um, adding in different lights and stuff that may not have been there like if you only have the basic skills, you're going to be stuck at one point where everyone yeah. else is progressing. So it's really good to, yeah, just keep learning, keep yep. practicing and like any hobby. Is there anything that you're currently still learning that, or that you sort of want to work towards? As I said, Photoshop, yep. definitely learning a little bit more in that. Um, with my live music, I'm definitely still working on my color correction because I've been out of it for so long with COVID. It'll take me a couple of gigs, I reckon, to get back into remembering how I changed those lights way back when yep. and building those skills back up um, and learning social media mm-hmm. like and how to show yourself on these platforms because it changes all the time. Yeah. Like, all the time you've now got to get onto TikTok and start making TikToks about things, which is great. But it's something that I haven't been the best at doing or I haven't caught up with because I just haven't taught myself these skills. Yeah. So I'm primarily an Instagram photographer, whereas I could be on so many other different platforms if I t- if I keep teaching myself these skills. Yeah, I saw someone, um, a friend of mine who started a pet photography business quite recently, um, and it looks like it's quite successful but she put up on Facebook the other day asking for people's advice on running a business and promoting a business without using social media 
and I'm kind of sitting there going, you can't <laughs> at this no, point. It's impossible. Days, you really can't because we're so overrun by social media. Yeah. It's, like it's what everyone's kind of on. You could put a flyer up in town, but you might only have one or two people see it. Yeah. Yeah. Not all of us look for that anymore. Of course, we're going to look on our Facebook feed to find new things or we're going to be looking on Instagram because it's just, it's what we know. It's been so instant in our pocket. Mm, and it's such a, it's a different type of engaging content like visually like you look like half the the rule of posting on socials is that it has to have a visual element you can't just like write a post out in text and expect people to engage and actually read what you've written um so often you have to you know pair it with a photo or some sort of like graphic design to catch the eye and stuff like that which you can't really do in sort of manual uh in person paper you know um yeah exactly putting a poster up yeah uh, which is really unfortunate because I think it also speaks to the level of attention span that we have because of social media (laughs) yeah oh 100% yeah but I mean you gotta you gotta move with the times unfortunately and and like even now I'm I'm 25 and I'm like I know that TikTok would be a fantastic, really, really good, engaging way to promote and especially our type of content because it's audio and everything, but I just don't have the brain power to sit there and commit to making that content and maintaining it. Yeah, and maintaining such a high level of content as well because you can see how many people have put the time and the effort into becoming these content creators online. Mm. And, yeah, you think, oh, yeah, it's easy to film a TikTok. You just put your camera up and you press a couple of buttons, but that's not even the case. You're editing live like videos. Yeah. So it's going into something completely different again. Yeah, I think a lot of people are inadvertently learning how to be a film director at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, it's fucked up a little bit. It's like, okay, well, I, the, the other thing is that, like, being a generational thing, a lot of the time the conversation from older people is, oh, you know, you're only, you're, you're glued to your phone and you don't pay attention to things and you're not learning real life skills and how are you ever going to get a job if you're just scrolling all day? And it's like, well, actually we're taking in a lot of information and learning stuff every day that we can apply to the relevant things coming, the 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 career options and everything. Like, like we've just said content creators, that wasn't a career 10 years ago and now no. it's... It's skyrocketed. Yeah. It's um it's crazy to see like really really think about the differences and the opportunities that the internet just the internet existence provides. Oh, exactly. Uh, 100%. It's a lot to take in. Um oh, yeah. I've got my last three questions and they should be a bit easier to answer. <laughs> <laughs> easy. Um, easy. Proudest music-related job or shoot? Um, so my favourite of all time had to be Tonight Alive mm-hmm. when I shot them at Good Things in 2018. Mm-hmm. One, it was my first festival that I got to work with. I worked with Kill Your Stereo for that one and it was like the day overall was unreal. It was so much fun. Um, but during about I think it was the third or fourth act was Tonight Alive um, and because I know the band, I've listened to them for 10 years. I was singing along like I do with half the bands I go and see. Yep. Uh, and like I've said before, it kind of catches the eye of the artist. And I'm singing and Jenna starts like walking to my corner of the stage. I got like some really cool close-up photos of her like looking down into my camera, which was so cool. And during that last song, 
she came down and started singing with me. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. And a few photographers got to capture this moment of me singing and screaming while doing my job with one of my favorite artists in the world. I came out of that pit completely sobbing. Yeah. Someone could have thought that I thought it like a family member had died. Like that's how <laughs> hysterically I was crying. Yeah. Because I got to capture and have such this, like just this amazing experience with an artist that had completely changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, um, that definitely had to be the biggest and best experience I've had, I reckon, by far. And I'm assuming you will have seen her new solo project stuff, haven't she? Oh, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I can't wait for her to start touring. I know she did the show in Sydney mm. to release it, so I'm just waiting for dates for her to start going back around because yep. it'd be really cool to see her doing her thing live again. Yeah, I don't know how different it's going to be, but, like, knowing how – like the type of person she is and how she sort of uh, maintains herself and the value she has and stuff. I wonder if it's going to be in terms of like the actual content of the songs, if it's going to be a bit more intense or if it's along the same lines or um, or how different it will be. a little bit different again, yeah, Yeah. because I guess we've seen it's the weird thing about watching these bands grow up. You see them completely change as artists. I know we've watched it over the years, but like especially with COVID and happening to be kept Mm. within ourselves, she could completely change the direction of her music just slightly yep. and bring up different topics and situations that someone at the age of, well, when did they start to know life? She would have had to be early teens yeah. or like late, late teens. Late teens, like yeah. Eight, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. You just see the values and the morals change of someone. So it could be really cool to see how that impacts it. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I'm keeping a close eye without trying to get too invested. <laughs> Yeah, look, we don't need to be getting obsessive over any more bands like no. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, on that note, I suppose you may have already covered it technically, but dream dream related, music related shoot or, or project or Yeah, so shoots and stuff I'd yeah. wanna cut like people I'd wanna cover. Yeah. Oh, if we're sticking with that sort of scene that we used to stick to back in the Back in the 2000s. God, that sounds old. That's like 2010. <laughs> um, Green Day. Green Day yep. has always been a huge band international that I've wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, if we change the direction a little bit more, I'm currently obsessed with Harry Styles. Yeah. So to be able to shoot him live and like, because I've seen so many snippets and screenshots of how he performs on stage. It would be really cool to work with just one individual artist almost mm. instead of capturing like, full full bands right at the front just seeing that I don't know I feel like that could be really cool yeah uh and if I got to pick an Australian artist it would have to be Violent Soho yeah um, which unfortunately as we've seen they're going on a hiatus yeah an indefinite hiatus and they've only got one show coming up now in September Mm mm-hmm so I was actually thinking about potentially putting in a request for that. Do it. I feel like that could be such an unreal show. I've seen them play a few times. I remember last, no, not last year, year before, lining up with my mate Courtney at 5 a.m. to get $15 tickets to watch them play at a small venue with, um, in Brizzy called The Zoo. Yep. Um, and just having all these tiny little experiences with this band um, it would mean the world to be able to capture them on stage one time, just yeah. once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're going to have to get it in soon potentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, I was looking at trying to put it in this week. I honestly remembered on my way back home today before this podcast, I was like, 
Oh yeah. I need to book in for that. I better mention that to her today. Yep. Chuck in the, the request. I'll get it. I'll get it sent through. Excellent. Sure. I will do that after this then for sure. Final question before you run off to do that. <laughs> Top three Aussie artists right now, new, old, just what you're listening to right now. Um, sticking on the Soho train, mm-hmm. of course. They're always in a rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the Smith Street Band. Mm-hmm. They've been a huge one for me. I know that they're releasing some new music coming up. A couple months back I saw Will Wagner play solo up at the Triffid, which was really, really cool. Mm. Um, and listening to some of the new music that they're releasing, even just solo, it's going to be so cool seeing them play that live. Um, they've impacted my life immensely. They, to a degree, how Jordan and I met. Because oh. we met on Tinder and my our songs at the time were both mystery band songs. Yep. We just started talking live music, started to go to the gigs together. When I saw Smith Street, uh, it was the same night I realized how much I adored this person that I've now married. Um, one of their songs was our wedding song that we did our first dance to, mm. um, which is all real cute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, real lame, but definitely holds a spot in my heart. Then being a Victorian band as well, like it's always going to hold close to home seeing as I moved up here to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. When I listen to them, it reminds me of living back down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and new music at the moment that I've really picked up on is ballpark music. Yeah. I'd listen to them a little bit, um, but up until recently a co-worker had shared my his playlist with me and they've just been all over it and I have not stopped listening to all of their albums over the last couple months. Yeah. I um when they played Groovin a few years ago, I probably knew like two songs, if that. Um, but I was like, all right, I'm gonna go, you know, dance, have a good time, whatever. I'm here to have a boogie. And I got probably somewhere towards the front on the left hand side of the stage and I was just sort of going ham and you know, you know when you sort of pretend to sing along, you're like, Yeah, I totally know the words, but it's just gibberish. It's just like pretending and you're just sort of getting into the vibe of the crowd around you and the music and everything. And I was doing that and I was having a dance and this guy who was probably about two feet away from me spotted me, kept sort of, we had these, you know, back and forth eye contact interactions, singing to each other or whatever. And he comes over and he goes, I think you're the only person here that loves them as much as I do. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Well, obviously you know how to uh, lip sync really well then. I don't even know the words I'm lip syncing to. I was just like making noises and... (laughs) You just do that A-E-I-O-U <laughs> sort of trick and it makes it look like you're singing. You'll be fine. Yeah, I felt so bad. I was like, yeah, totally. I'm not an imposter or anything. <laughs> Classic. That's so good. Yeah, the poor dude. Uh, oh. um, but mentioning uh, just before that, the whole like Melbourne versus Brisbane, I think another question I totally forgot to include, but is there anything you've noticed about the audience, the work, the performances, venues, the work in general, different between Victoria, like Melbourne and up in Brisbane? I have noticed a bit of a difference. Like it's all in all the same, but I found Melbourne, um, like all the venues are completely spread out everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you're traveling all around the city and Melbourne city can be quite big. Mm. Um, Whereas then in Brisbane, a lot of the venues are kind of based either in Fortitude Valley yep. itself. So you've got venues uh, a couple of streets away. The coolest thing that they do up here is an event called Big Sound, mm-hmm. um, which is coming up, and they'll run a whole night and five or six venues will be going 
going with different bands set up at each one and you just run around these couple of streets to go catch some of your favourite local bands, which is really cool because I haven't seen something like that done in Melbourne. Mm. I think the closest thing is like Melbourne Music Week, but even then it's all over the city. It's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So like you can't just go, oh, I want to go see this band over here at Flinders Street, Mm. but now I've got to go all the way to the other end of Swanston to be able to go see this band. Like it's going to take you a good 10 minutes to get up to that side, whereas Brisbane, it's like, oh, i got to run from Rick's backyard to (laughs) the bright side. That's going to take me two minutes. Yep. Easy. And you're in, yeah, which is really cool. The people up here are completely different. <laughs> completely different. They're the, they're just different. The music taste up here has slightly varied to Melbourne as well. I've noticed that could just be like the location, the different types of bands that have come out recently and stuff as well. Yeah. Um. But I found that yeah, there's a huge difference kind of in the crowds <laughs> around us. Yep. Um. For, oh, where was I going with this? I had a point. Ah. Um. No, my brain's just farted. That's okay. <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there. Um, I found that Brisbane's got a really tight-knit community within all of the artists around us. So from anyone from, yeah, your photographers to the managers of venues, um, the bands itself, like you'll know a couple of bands in your friend group alone. So half the time a bunch of bands will have a photographer already set up mm, mm-hmm. and you kind of get to know them really, really quickly because you'll see them popping up at each and every show because we're all just so close and tight knit. Yeah. I noticed it a little bit in Melbourne, like there'd be the occasional time where I'd see a photographer or two that I knew, but there was always a bunch of people that were completely different that you wouldn't know. Whereas in Brisbane, it kind of feels like a little family community where you kind of know everyone in it, anyone. Yeah. I think in, um, in Melbourne, it's more genre specific is what I've noticed. Um, So like you've got your heavy community and everyone knows everyone. And then you've got your like, like soul and R&B and jazz stuff and they all know each other and 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 they sort of uh gravitate to the same venues consistently as well yeah whereas up here yeah you've got such a vast difference but you kind of you can see people at all these different genres like I know I've done a huge mix from like yeah the more heavy stuff to some more poppy stuff to some chill more I'm trying to think of other genres that I've shot up here <laughs> um I know, yeah, pop, um, artistry. No, my brain's gone. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see how people split themselves up, culture-based, you know, from state to state and and everything. Um, I do miss the atmosphere of Melbourne, though. I would love to come back down and shoot a couple of gigs in Melbourne next time I've booked a couple of sessions. Yeah, definitely. We'll um, we'll put together a little calendar and slot you in. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I'll uh, work out the rest of my days to make sure I've got a few days where we can shoot and even just catch up again. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for chatting. That's all I've got. Um, was there anything you wanted to mention or plug? No, I think we, we got it all. We've got it all pretty good. Um, I will be down in Melbourne in September towards the end of the month. I've got two bookings left at the moment mm. that people can access via my website, mm-hmm. which is available on my Instagram mm-hmm. uh, if you go through. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's all I've really got. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, thank you so much for chatting. I'm thinking, I don't know if you answered in a message or not, but I'm thinking 
doing another episode with you more based on the boudoir stuff and everything related to that for this other podcast I have, Harry and Sad. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah, if that happens, um, people can look out for that one as well if you want to know more about the sexy side of photography. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot more to it, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thanks so much for chatting and... I don't know. I'll be I'll be in your messages with with this episode whenever it gets up. Yeah. Awesome. Easy. I'm super cute. Yep. Yeah. Thanks so much for chatting. That's all good. I'll see you later. I'll see ya. Bye.